You have landed on The Substance, a podcast aimed at being biblical, thoughtful, and human. Join us each week as we engage the culture without the culture war. My name is Vincent Edwards, and I'm joined here with my co-hosts and my good friends, Philip Marinello. Hey, everybody. And Trevor Aiken. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, we're, we are a Christian variety show. We talk about uh, culture. We talk about cinema, books, movies, and things that are going on in the world and within the world of Christianity. So thanks, yeah. for, thanks for being here. Thanks we're, for listening today. We're all three very much theology guys. <laughs> yes. Oh, sure. very, much, very clearly. On the record. <laughs> on deep, the record. Deep, deep theologians. <laughs> and Phillips, a movie guy. <laughs> That's true. So you're not wrong. <laughs> no, I was just going to say before we get started, since this is, did we say, uh, Vince, that this is, in fact, the Topic Toss-Up episode? We didn't, but I assume they know that because they clicked on it. So Topic Toss-Up is a little bit of a looser form. We don't just have one thing in our sites. We do a couple different things. And just in light of it being a lighter episode, and we don't, I don't believe we have any new Apple podcast reviews to read or anything, I did just see today I just thought it was funny. And so Jesse Eubanks, friend of the show, has been on like three times, I think. Yeah, I think he's been on three, three times here. Uh, and Vince has made an appearance on Love Thy Neighborhood, which was pretty dope. Or um, Love Thy Neighborhood presents, presents the Inia cast. Um, really good episode. Guys. Listeners, check that out if you haven't yet. Um, I just saw it today. Um, I hadn't listened to it yet, but the newest episode of Love Thy Neighborhood, really good episode on the uh, religious right basically uh, that came mm. out a couple days ago and then today as of the recording the holy post dropped an episode with the same um guy on the same topic and i was like look at jesse eubanks and yeah. those <laughs> scrappy little guys at ltn scooping up the holy post and beating yeah. out big tomato for the uh yeah <laughs> the yeah. win there the tomato yeah, game. All it's time to talk about the evangelical industrial complex. We should be talking about the big idea industrial complex. We we, <laughs> we love Bob the, the Holy Post, but it's, it's just kind of fun as podcasters. We we don't want to be inappropriately competitive, but as people who are making consumables, it is kind of fun to be the first to to put out a thing. It's like when you work on these episodes, like we put a lot of work into planning and prepping. And then when it's like this huge show with a huge audience and a huge budget, like just comes in and does it right before you put it out. It's like, ah, I'm sure. but no, like, you don't want to be selfish about it, but it is kind of fun a little bit when yeah, you it is good. get we've one over. A, we've had a few. Where we, we did. Where we, um... I think we're the first one with Robert P. Jones. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. There was, a, well, I mean, Terry Gross, Got to him first, but that's true. NPR has a slightly higher footprint than uh, <laughs> a slightly larger footprint than uh, the substance. Yeah. <laughs> do we do we not get Bradley Mason before Southside Rabbi? We did publish Bradley Mason before Southside Rabbi. That's true. Yeah. Shout out to yeah. Amin and KV. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. One of my favorite <laughs> favorite podcasts. It's so good. Yeah. I listened to. Really? I caught up on two or three in the last week or so, and it's real good stuff. So, boom, you come here for some podcast recommendations. We'll have substance sh shout-outs at the end. Some insider podcast talk there. Sorry for anybody that is disinterested in that. But we're going to have some interesting topics to reflect on in the middle here, in the meat of this <laughs> Are you hot exhausted, Trevor? What? Are you an exhausted man tonight, Trevor? Dude, I, I, I live as an exhausted man right now. That's a bummer. 
I know. A couple, like, <laughs> thankfully, hey, how many minutes in are we before we talked about how tired we are? I think we should pat ourselves on the back. <laughs> I feel like the last couple times we started, we're like, hey, everybody, we're so tired. <laughs> hey, it's the Tired Substance Podcast. Yeah. We weren't lying. This is my favorite type of topic toss-up, um, frankly. We yeah. have a Same. very thoughtful listener correspondence, and I just want to kind of shout out um, Austin before we get into it. Um, I think we've mentioned him on the show before. I feel like we've done a question or two of his. Yeah, we yeah. responded to a question or two, yeah. um, but I think yeah. we didn't mention Austin's name, but I think he's been such a, a regular and such a gracious um, responder and giving us feedback. I don't think there's any issue with shouting him out. Um, yeah. directly. Oh, like, he was the one who did like, is, is it not a double standard? That right. was his question. Yeah. So maybe we did shout him out by Very name. Thoughtful. I think we did. So yeah. he has two really good topics. And just, I want to say shout out to you. Like we have a lot in common. There are a couple of what some people in the culture and certain portions of the church might consider like hot button issues that we might not see eye to eye on. And Mm. I'm so used to seeing people in a, I would say, unrighteous, inappropriate, kind of foolish, immature way, dividing and being unnecessarily contentious about. He's just like, no, like you guys are brothers. Let's talk about these things. So yeah. I'm, I'm always deeply encouraged whenever we get an Austin email. Yeah, very true. No, I appreciate it. So we had some thoughts on um, Inception. We did that recently as one of our cinemas. Oh, yeah, and we then, had Mitch Wiley on. The first yeah. one is a nice little, uh, kind of a little bit of pushback to me. And yep. then a new perspective, which I think helps boost my argument even more we'll see. about my view of Inception. We'll and then see. a really, a really thoughtful um, question afterward. Yeah, well, I, I just appreciate this statement. The movie is definitely a hero's journey, not a tragedy. Yeah, I mean, like, yes. That's an opinion. That's a perfectly fine opinion. It's a, sure. it's a fact. It's a fact-based opinion. Then, but he kind of cues in on the fact that, like, okay, the whole zooming out, the thing that happens in the movie is an idea gets planted into this guy's mind that his father cared about him and loved him and wanted him to go his own way. Fundamentally, that idea is a lie, right? Like, we have no Killian reason Murphy's to dead. believe didn't care about him and they they fooled him which i don't know i've probably seen the movie six times maybe i never thought of that ever so he talks mm. about how it, like it it initially tugs on his heartstrings that like he's having these touching moments stuff like that but then he remembers <laughs> that it's not real and it makes him upset <laughs> he's having those exchanges with tom hardy's ideas not his father right like, right no that's true that's right and as like a sucker, wow. I'm such a sucker audience member. You just get caught up in the emotion, even when I'm trying not to. Or like, because of Christopher Nolan's coldness, I'm like, oh, this is the one thing I can latch on to. It's a lie. Well, and I think the other thing that's happening there, which is what Mitch actually brought up in the episode, is that like there is a sense in which movies are inception. Media is inception. And like, you believe it. Like, they planted the idea in your mind. Mm -hmm. You want to believe it, right? You want to. Like, it, this is such a crappy thing. Like, his dad did, yeah. and his relationship is sucky. And the thing is, they frame it in such a way where it could be true. There's no reason to believe it's not totally manufactured for the convenience of these people who are trying to plant this idea to for the breaking up of the corporation. 
But there's only reason to believe that within what we're given. Correct. But at the same time, there's not anything that like forces it. I'm not saying it's not a lie, but I'm saying that like as you watch the movie, because you're not forced to choose whether you believe it's true or not, and you're given the option to make it fit with the facts, you do. You just do because you like it better. Like, it's like, well, I like that reality better. Well, I think the way it's presented, it's not even like a choice. Like, literally, I feel like I'm a pretty discerning movie watcher. I never considered that ever. I think that it very expertly, either the writer had not thought of that, and I don't necessarily think that of Chris Nolan. I just think he's he's very talented at, like, um, directing your attention to where mm-hmm. you just have to really be mulling it over to consider that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, at, at some level, yeah, it's, it's a false piece in that sense. Like if they're telling him that this is the reality of his parents, I think, I think this also taps into, man, it, we, we could go deep on this. It taps into like dealing with grief, right? The other theme of the movie that we talked about and the fact sure. that like, especially around funerals, Sometimes sure. people don't want to be bothered with the truth. Sure. Right? It's the, oh, like people they were the best eulogies. person in the world, whatever. Yeah. And it seems like a way to cope and deal with the pain of the loss. It seems kind and caring. And it seems harmless. Like, it seems like, okay, he believes that his dad actually loved him and wanted him to go his own way. Assume that's not true. What good does that do to dwell on that point? Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is his dad was a selfish kind of shark kind of guy, which was most likely the case. What good does it do to just remind him of the truth, if that's the case? Yeah, from a pragmatic point of view, like if he's still alive, then lying about the state of the relationship is harmful because it's like you could do something about it. You could like learn how to relate differently, but he's dead. So now it's about framing that and thinking about these things in a, in a different light and it's plausible enough or maybe like the best version of him well, well like how many different movies are based on the bad guy was misunderstood many now right yeah. mm-hmm. and so it's almost like that's the narrative the bad guy in fisher's life is his dad and the way that his dad treated him was just really like maybe bad at communicating his feelings and like misunderstood and you have no factual sure. proof of that yeah. and it's really a fantasy but it's it's one that is plausible enough and desirable enough that you that you as the audience go for it well yeah and if you're operating from purely a pragmatic ethic right. sure but that's it's not where we're coming from no that's correct yeah i agree with you philip that there's like you you're not given enough information to verify that his dad would have actually said that we're actually given information to counter that and say that probably if he were still alive, wouldn't have said that. Not at all. But because we've only had, we only had such a small reaction and obviously they didn't make a prequel, the inception for each person's life. Thank God. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Trevor, you might want to cut that out. (laughs) But uh, so because we don't have that information, um, I, that's where then I kind of, I also agree with Trevor that we, we, we can't necessarily full on deny that that wouldn't have been. And regardless, that was the reality that he chose to accept. And then 
the the idea was incepted. So, but also if we're going from a pragmatic approach, none of that matters. Big big picture because the idea of the company continuing to grow would have been unstable for the the national and global economic structure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all very interesting. It's 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 such a fun movie to think about too cuz like it it's kind of true that you could dream something and as your mind, you know, is sorting out all the information and processing stuff when in your sleep like you wake up and you remember it and like you could be convinced of something from a dream. Sure. I mean it yeah. happens in the Bible all the time from yeah. from a certain of like miraculous sense. But mm-hmm. like even in a in a very natural sense, you could just dream something and be like, "You know what? Like yeah, I need to do X. And it and it's not that like the dream gave you information you didn't have, but it could cause you to think of the information you do have in a different light. Sure. And so in that sense, it's very similar to what Fisher's character does with the mm-hmm. information of his dad, right? He doesn't necessarily like there's there's a little, there's a tiny, tiny bit of new information that's presented there in the dream. But what it does is mainly cause him to take the little information he does have and see a lot of it in a different light. Yeah. And and that's kind of the power of it. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, is that is that light true? Not at all. <clears throat> Probably not. Chris Nolan, British robot, getting us to think. It's <laughs> oh, good. So that's a that's a nice uh, intro. But but Austin wasn't done. He wanted to take it take it deeper. Go go uh, a little bit more substantive even than that. You guys ready to jump into this the cool. second topic here? This is quite a topic here. Just moving right into it. So it comes from the point from Alexis's episode where she was talking about her friend saying that we need your voice. Because Alexis is a white woman. Because of the way you look. You know, people will listen to you. Mm-hmm. Because when I say these things, they won't listen to me. But when you say them, they will. And so that that got Austin kind of thinking about, well, how does this work? We, we talk about people as weaponizing black voices or there's people who talk about hey listen to black voices you know and so that's kind of a counterpoint to the thing in alexis podcast where it's like hey you need to be the one to speak right now because people will listen to you on the other hand you have people saying no white people should be quiet and like we should listen to black people and then he takes it a different place too which is about like weaponization so he says there's a phenomenon where conservative black voices are considered weapons so in other words when for example like a thomas soul or what's some other names phil vody bacham vody bacham yeah that's candace a good owens. one candace owens is another good one i think just thinking podcast is a is another good yeah, daryl and the other guy daryl and um why can't i think of his name anyhow it's also samuel say sure um, samuel say yeah so I think to sum it all up, he's feeling this tension of listen to black voices if they're bringing the, I hate putting it on this axis, but let's do it, when they're bringing the liberal talking points around race. How about like pro-racial justice? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And it's listen to those black voices, but then there's an issue with black voices who have conservative talking points. Yeah, listen to black voices when it's pro-racial justice. But don't listen to black voices if they're trying to say that what is called racial justice is unnecessary or unimportant or also wrongheaded, right? So not to use loaded terms, because some people think we already have racial justice or like the people advocating racial justice are actually advocating for things that will harm racial harmony, right? 
So when people listen to those voices, it's like, well, don't listen to those black voices because they're being used as a weapon. But then you have somebody like an Alexis or somebody else, and it's like, hey, listen to this white voice because they're bringing the points. And once again, it's like what we would call the pro-racial justice side. The conservative side probably wouldn't agree with that that label, but that's okay. Um, but then, you know, on the other hand, it's like, well, white voices need to take a back seat and just listen. Sure. So I think that's why he's feeling he's feeling this tension. Like at the end of the day, maybe it's um, in group, out group dynamics and identity politics. I think that is a very good way to put it. Yeah, Virgil Walker. There it is, Vince. Nice work. It's gonna yeah. bug me. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the the first thoughts I had when reading his very thoughtful email, no shade or anything here, that this is not dissimilar to the previous question of his, I think, that we covered on the show. I, I think that it is a good instinct to want fairness. Be like, it seems like one side is saying that they want something that they're not granting the other side and help me understand if that's the case. Then if they see it and it's clear, why don't they see that as a problem? So I would just like to kind of zoom out a little bit and say, what do we think about these terms? Hmm. He's right that there's definitely a tendency towards like polarization in some of these terms. You know, he, he mentions that um, he doesn't want to use the term of like weaponized because it just, it's, it's a higher temperature in the, re- in the rhetoric. And I think that that's a good baseline. Uh, I think it's honestly. an excellent instinct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it, it's very easy to, basically place the other in the in the immoral position well and just heightening tension and making it less likely for there to be genuine progress made because i mean Mm -hmm. we've been critical of some of the things that vody bakum has said because we think they're wrong but then if like we started using terms that kind of otherize and stigmatize and like use like enemy terms with like the man vadi who we believe is a brother in christ then that is unhelpful in all the ways. Yeah. yeah. He asked this question too, which is interesting. Can you think of any instances in scripture where groups use voices from another group in order to refute an argument? So in other words, he's zooming in on this idea of weaponization. I think he's trying to find a way that it's like, is weaponization, quote unquote, of black voices like a legitimate critique? Or is it just, you don't like when it comes from this group? Mm. And he thinks of some different examples of that in scripture, but he thinks of like Paul quoting, you know, you have a, a idol to the unknown God. So obviously, since you don't know who you're worshiping, let me tell you stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I think that, I think that's some, some interesting examples. So hopefully that lays it out for you guys. It gives you like kind of a baseline of some of the questions. And, and as I'm saying some of that stuff, you might have some of those questions in your mind. You're thinking about like, how is it fair? When white or black people speak up on this topic, what we would say is pro-racial justice. It's like, yes, listen to them. Like, these people are allies. These people are advocates. That's good. Or like, this is the black perspective. Listen to this. But then when you have folks who are conservative and black, and then it's like, is it fair to say that that's weaponization? I think that's his fundamental question. I think it's a good question. It is. I would start out with... To answer that question properly, we have to do a lot of work of saying what is true, because it's never, you can never categorically say that we should listen to somebody because of anything other than the content of what they're saying. People can have valuable insights because of their ethnic, 
makeup or their personal experience or their expertise or what have you, those things in concert with the truth give people's opinions more weight in ways. Mm-hmm. But like, you should never listen to anybody merely because of external factors. Yeah. So I, I think similar to when he said, well, the pro-social justice side saying, hey, we got some concerns about like your conformity to the character of Christ versus the the anti-social justice, the anti-woke crowd going, if you care about these things, you need to be kicked out of the church. Like, how are those? Two? Like, you're both saying the other is wrong. So like, how do we know? I think that we look at the content. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You look at history, you look at facts, you look at whether someone's white or black is what they're saying about societal norms, uh, societal patterns, history, uh, present day realities. Like, are they true? Mm-hmm. And with the, the complex, just, just the complexity and all the tension in, with race in America, if there is racial injustice, which we think there clearly is, see a lot of our episodes previously, mm-hmm. if that's the case and true, there's a group of white folks who have been to no active fault of their own. Some of them have just been shielded from these things. And a white voice saying that gets beyond barriers than a black voice saying that. I feel like yeah. that's just that's just a clear societal relational thing. And that has nothing to do with mm-hmm. um, like positioning fact, yeah. and like uh, culture war stuff. That's yeah. just yeah. human nature. Right. I, I totally agree with that. I think it, it's particularly just like you said, ending that statement, it's you you have uh, groups of individuals who are very possibly ignorant of something or not aware. It's not on the radar. And so maybe they've heard the voices of others saying, hey, this is an issue. This is an issue. This is an issue. And it's like, I don't really think that that's an issue. But then someone who um, relates to them or has a similar life experiences or whatever comes up and also says, well, in my research and looking at it, I've, I've never lived this experience, but it is an issue because of this research, this research. At the very least, what it can do is spark someone to say, okay, what's the legitimacy of that argument? You know what I mean? It's not to say that because you are white or because you are black, that person shall be convinced. It's like the commandment. It doesn't happen that way. Um, I will give an example, however. Um, Prior to, because my mom was born in the 60s, and the the rhetoric, and, I, and I've listened and done some research, um, the rhetoric in Black communities often was two things when it came to police, policing. Um, one was that Black men in particular were being arrested at higher rates, um, accosted uh, when they were stopped at higher rates, and in a lot of cases being having like drugs planted on them at like regular routine traffic stops and things like that. Um, And for a very long time, that was said to be refuted or even not really known. And then as a a lot more conversations of police reform came up in in, in Black Lives Matter and things like that, um, then it seemed that the tide was turning of, at least from my purview, a lot more non-Black voices also saying, hey, Police brutality looks to be a real thing and, you know, and and a lot of exposés in in different states, multiple states, especially, I believe, in the year of like 20, 
2019, 2018, 2019, where they, you know, body cams and things like that, where police officers were getting caught dropping dime bags in people's cars. Yeah. And, and it was a lot of that happening. Um, and so ultimately we, we have this kind of vantage point, at least where I'm standing, where it's like, I have seen people like my parents and my grandparents talking about what we're talking about now back then. But nobody mm-hmm. was listening. Nobody was yeah. acknowledging that that reality nobody or that experience. Nobody outside of that community. Nobody outside of that community. And so that's why you often see, like, when, when we have that conversation now, um, some Black people will respond, well, that's not new. Um, you, we have phones now or whatever, so you guys can see it. So you don't have to hear our voice as we speak it because now you have somebody who's recording it. It can go all over the world. <laughs> yeah. Don't take my word for it. Here's the audio and visual of here's what happened. You right. can't argue with that. And yeah. so that's why this, dismi- this. I mean, you can dismiss that. People do. But like, here it is. Yeah. So it, it ties into both like this particular view of elevating black voices or listening to black voices or whatever, um, because there there is certain certain points that you can point out in history where that the black voice just wasn't heard, even though mm. that reality wasn't there. And then it also ties back into your, your earlier point, Phil, of basically that first point of if a person of a same demographic is also bringing up that issue, then maybe just maybe the individuals in their sphere of influence will at least take it seriously to look into, even if they are not initially convinced. My last point, the black conservatives uh, or the black conservative voice, it also ties into your point, Phil, that you already addressed about the truth of the claim, because it's not saying we don't listen to that voice, but we do. And, and even the, the black individuals who are pro, pro uh, social justice, it, it is balancing the truth of the claim. That's that's the, the focus was the claim that police were brutally and overtly accosting black individuals in black neighborhoods. Was it true? That, yeah, that's either true or false. Right. And so you, you're analyzing their words as well as the conservative views. And there are some conservatives who, who are telling the truth. That's fine. And, you know, we, we have no <laughs> issues with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's just it's analyzing the truth of the claim, whether black or white. I think the con- contention then becomes if a black person is saying something that is counter to another black person's experience or counter to another black person's um, research or, or, or counter whatever to it may the be, truth or counter to the truth, then there's the contention. Yeah, I don't want to be too anecdotal, but not just speaking directly to Austin, but like if this is you. Tell me I'm wrong, but I was going to say, like, I don't want to be too anecdotal. I've had people come to me with this type of reasoning, but if you look at conservative outlets and like Phil Holmes was talking about, like, we are the media media has been very diluted. So like this can come through a number of different channels, but like, if you look at the big ones along with like the mediums and the small ones, there is absolute, there is undeniably a positioning of black conservative anti-woke voices as like here are some yeah. black people saying not so things like that we want to say yeah like apparently the black community has issues here's a black person that says it's no big deal yeah. so like let's squash this because i yeah. got a black guy or a black woman saying 
I've never experienced it. They're bold enough to say what nobody else is willing to say. Blah blah. blah. Yeah, that's the, like that's how it's marketed. I saw a guy with some crazy racist bumper stickers last week, mm-hmm. along with the Hodge twins. And he's like, "Here's my black guys who agree with me." Like yeah. he had some terrible stuff, but also just like stickers of these two black guys on the back of his car Jeez. too. So it's yeah. just like it's not the same. So that's when it feels like a weapon, right? Yeah. And I think that that's where like we have to, I, I want to zoom out. Cause I think you guys are absolutely right. Like Vince, to your point about there's a historic, not listening to the black perspective that has happened throughout. And I think Phil, you're right. in saying like, at the end of the day, it's about the truth. It really, wherever the truth is and whoever it comes from doesn't matter. But when, when these things have happened and to the history, and I think I want to zoom out and talk about like, and, and this isn't to any shade. I think this is a, a, we all need to level up our understanding on what race is and how it functions. So I think that can help because remember that whiteness, like when we're talking about white and black, we're not actually just talking about these groups as they exist today and like the color of your skin and that kind of stuff. Like it's not about that. Mm. The whiteness is a, is a social, legal, literary, and otherwise cultural construction for the purpose of ultimately that the purpose is to extract wealth from the exploited people group. And the way racism functions in that construct is to desensitize the average conscience of the person who is exploiting on, like, this exploitation. It's to desensitize your conscience to preserve and stabilize institutions of exploitation. So, like, that's the whole—that's what race is. That's what race and racism is. And so we you have to understand when we're talking about white and black, it's not just about, like— you know, people say like whiteness is evil or, or stuff like that. And people freak out like, oh, I'm not evil just because I'm just because I happen to be white. No, 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 no. <sighs> You're not evil because you happen to be white. Whiteness is evil because it happens to have been constructed for the sole purpose of desensitizing moral consciences to exploitation. And let me jump in there. So like whiteness, like yeah. I, I feel like there are some people at the top of like some of the people who these ideas are coming from and the talking points who people are repeating. I feel like there are some people who are very bad faith, like aggressively mm. and on purpose misunderstanding that. But the lay yeah. person who hears that and goes like, like what Trevor said, I know people, I know a lot of people who think that the message of the people who are promoting social, racial, economic justice, whatever, that they are saying being white is evil. No. None of the people worth listening to are saying that. I'm no. sure you'll find someone you'll find people on Twitter who say that. Yeah, you'll That's find irrelevant. somebody. That's <laughs> irrelevant. They're they're confused. Yeah. They don't that's understand not, the arguments. But that's not what no, but some people go when you say nobody's saying that being white is evil, they'll be like John 378 on Twitter says that. What do okay. you say to him? I say to him, I don't care what he says. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's, but let's the argument isn't that being white is evil. The yeah. arguments, like Trevor said, is the construction of whiteness. I think Robert P. Yeah. Jones's episode might be one of the best resources that we have on that. Or the yeah. Bradley Mason episode, which it looks like everybody listened to three or yeah. four times. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for all the downloads on that That's one. Great. It's, it's clearly evil. So that's the baseline, like this construction. And so 
it is tied up with the people group too, because the point was to give a certain people group authority, power, economic advantage, right? When I say exploitation, like exploitation because it makes your life more comfortable, it gives you more money, it makes you more successful, it, you know, and you get all these things as, as a side benefit of it. And then mm. along the way, you have all these these institutions that desensitize you to all the evil and the harm that's being done so that that can happen, right? So you just think it's living the American dream and like working real hard and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps all along the way. Like it's being hidden from you the way that that is impacting and harming other people, right? Correct. And so because of that, because of that reality, the reality of how race functions to hide and to to elevate certain perspectives for you, for the people in power, and to hide others that would be threatening to that power. That's why it's legitimate to say that when you have black people who have imbibed, and I'm not saying that they're that they're deceived or what they they let's say they truly believe these white ideological perspectives. Because of the construction of race, these white ideological constructions are not neutral. And they came from somewhere. They were developed for a reason, and they function in a certain way. And 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 they function morally. Correct. And to your point, Philip, I think you said this earlier, and I want to highlight this too, like, so that's when you see, when you see someone who's black hold on to these, these ideological viewpoints that do harm to the black community, right? Because that's, that's what they're designed to do and that's what they've done for 400 years in history right and we can point to the historic through lines on all of this and and what you can see happen which is very interesting is that these voices go from small to megaphone i I mentioned earlier samuel say you know it's somebody i would i would have on the podcast somebody i would i would talk to you know if you wanted to come on we'd have them on i would consider that yeah i would consider it but I remember even reading on his website where he said, like, yeah, it's like when I started talking about this <laughs> yeah. race, like, all of a sudden my numbers took off. And like, I've, I'm like, he now just I can do this thing. Yeah. Which I he admire. He's like, I was like, I was just doing my own thing. And then when I started some saying these stuff, but then conservative when I started, talking yeah. points, everybody's like handing me a microphone and saying, hey, you say this. Yeah. <laughs> but, and there's yeah, a brand man, of this you, you say this for us. Exactly. And so that's when it's a weaponization because these ideologies already are weapons themselves, right? And so what you're doing is you're taking this weapon that you have and you're making it a, a more yeah, a more camouflage weapon or or a um, more incisive weapon because you're putting it in the in a different form. You're putting it you're finding someone else to say it. And so now there's this argument of legitimation because of that. Whereas on the flip side, that's not the case, right? Because the minoritized perspective on things, like nobody talks about the weaponization of white voices (laughs) because that doesn't make any sense. Hmm. And the reason why is because objectively, that's not how race is constructed. So I want to ask a question and I'm not necessarily branching off of Austin's email more than I am just having a question kind of devil's advocate. So, if a person's hearing, basically hearing all of this, uh, let's say they're they're a black person who believes with the conservative ideology, right? Okay. They're saying, let's let's assume that they're Bobby, saying. Thanks for subscribing. We appreciate your patronage. <laughs> appreciate yeah, yeah. You. Go ahead and like and share. Um, so, what if that young man or woman says, "I don't feel that I am being weaponized 
because I don't believe that what I'm saying is untrue. Okay. How do you respond to that? Because you you have some well, some individuals say that. Right. Yeah. They, of course they, they would. would say that. So how do you interact with that? Because the assumption is that it's either right or wrong, and so they're contesting to say what I'm saying is the actual reality or this is actual. So what about this has weaponized me by the whites in power? So, I mean, I would say to a degree, like see our previous conversation, like let's talk about the veracity of that. And if it's found to be wanting Mm -hmm. and like, if it's found to be not true, then I'd ask the question, why do you think you're given the microphone? Like, why do you think you're the one or people who look like you are the ones who get super elevated a la Samuel say Candace Owens, Vody Bauckham. Why are you the ones who were like pushed out front to be like, you say this, you just think about it. Like wherever you're coming from listener, because you have, let's say you're a, a white Christian American, non impoverished person who is entirely insulated from all these things mm. you hear in the culture. Hey, People are talking like people are saying that there's injustice. People are saying that there are systemically perpetrated injustices and inequities that are immoral and on purpose. I'm here. I'm hearing people talking about these things and I'd like to make, I'd like to look into it a little bit. If the white person who's entirely insulated because of all those factors decide that they want to look into it, And then the powers at B, like there are still gatekeepers, even though this is a social media world. But if like the conference people, the book people, the TV people, the social media people, if if the ones who are pushed forward are the voices just saying essentially like, hey, you have nothing to worry about. Like, don't, don't, don't listen to them. If they're publishing books, publishing videos, elevating these people at conferences, putting out, like promoting their podcast. If the black voices that are first pushed in front of your face are ones telling you, Hey, like there's no problem. That's damaging. That does damage. Mm-hmm. Cause I know people who fancy themselves thoughtful people. And in some ways they are thoughtful people who look into things by only reading black conservative voices. And then they are extra soothed because they heard a black person just say, stuff they already believe and Mm -hmm. that that reinforces that wrong view and it makes them even less likely to look into it's like i I had a black person tell me this like there you go yeah to to illustrate this like if you don't if you don't believe what we're saying i'm on vadi bakum's church's youtube page okay their average Mm -hmm. stream is a hundred to a thousand views for sermons yeah, when you get to their popular uploads, you know, like their 60th anniversary celebration has almost 6,000 6, views, okay? Biblical justice versus social justice, 613,000 views. 100, th- 100 times more. So like... 100 times more than their highest, several yeah. times more than their average. And like you can see these, you can see these things play out like across other things. It's like... It's not like people love to listen to Vadi Bakum just on everything. It's a wep- it's, it is weaponizing. Like you're using him for a specific like you're using him like a tool for a specific purpose. And the weapon is the, yeah, the purpose is yeah, the purpose is, it is to perpetuate tool. harmful ideologies. It's a tool for harm. So like that's called a weapon. <laughs> and that's and that's one. Now I get 
yes, you know, we throw these terms around sometimes and like people throw, throw terms around like this that can be confusing or can be polarizing. And I'm not, we're not trying to jump in and say that that's okay. Right. See above. Right. But I do want people to understand, like some of this just comes from a lack of understanding because these things aren't popular to say, like people don't want to hear this, right? You want to feel like you live in a just and good world and that, you know, we've, we've achieved the, the democracy ideal and, and the freedom and all Which that stuff. It's really stuff. interesting if we're reading scripture. Right. But because of the way slavery metastasized into, into Christianity and it affected theology, a lot of times to be accepted in these conservative theological places. I mean, Vince, you know, when, when you started getting reformed theology, the pressure you started feeling, right? Like, I don't know if yeah. we've ever talked about that on air before, but like, yeah, there was definitely this pressure to, and I've said it before to either conform or be silent. And I, I often say that phrase because that's truly what I felt. Either I was going, I was surrounded by individuals who were homogenous and was not a black church. Um, <laughs> and, and, I'm hearing in passing as well as rhetoric, sort of rhetoric within the pulpit or just at Bible studies or, or, or whatever. And I'm, I'm hearing what I would say would be the typical conservative view on particular cultural issues as they're brought up. Mm -hmm. And so you're, you're as an individual, all I'm trying to do is say, hey, you know, Jesus is Lord and we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's just come together kind of thing. But as these things start to come to a head, you can't just say nothing. Mm -hmm. um, but th but then that in that kind of environment, you kind of only have that option. You either say, well, the conservative view or the view that is being propagated, the the view that's being kind of bolstered up is the one you have to accept and repeat. Accept that one, repeat that one. If you have a different view, say nothing or yeah. don't say it here, basically. Because then you're seen as like divisive or the angry black guy or in our case, right, exactly. like the, the liberal. I mean, I said it before, like when I left my previous church, I had a number of people, thankfully, like in love coming to me like, hey, people are saying like you guys left because like you're all involved in BLM now. Is that true? And I was like, not really. Like, no. <laughs> Like, it's just kind of, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's weird because like they have to kind of make up stories to have their own view continue unexamined. Yeah. Right. And I, I think that's, for me, that's the biggest point is, um, again, still bringing it back to the truth of what's being said. I think it's just in, in my analysis, doing as best as I can as, as a, as a human brain works to not have presuppositions, but just say, well, well, what is the actual history of this? What are the statistics to it that everybody's talking about? It, it is what's being brought up true? Or is it statistics that are being skewed in a certain way to satisfy a narrative? Because that those two things are different. It's just a true thing with data and statistics. Or it's something that's being manipulated. Yeah. It, is it helping truth be proclaimed or is it like stifling truth and like propagating untruths and like one is moral and one is not exactly and it's not to say that the pro social justice movement is infallible and they are only getting it right um because there are plenty of people who are distorting certain views of 
others or certain views of conservatism or whatever that's also false. So then it, it has to keep coming back to what's true. What's true? If it's coming from the conservative black voice or white voice, what's true? If it's coming from the pro-social justice black or white voice, what is true? Right. And and that has to be the fundamental question that's being asked because right. you have humans who are sinful and lie on either side, on any side, even sure. the neutral side. They right. have the propensity and the tendency to lie, especially if we are beholden to a narrative. Hey, man. Jeremiah 17, 9 is true for everybody. That's right. Yep. Shout out. So we got final thoughts. We can cut this or not. I would love to kick around. His desire for examples in scripture, quote, where the person quoting another group is clearly in the wrong. So what he's trying to find is an example where in scripture there was a group of people who were in the wrong, who used the voice of somebody from another group outside their position, who agreed with their position to, like, bolster their error. And those, those examples certainly exist. Okay. I'm thinking about the Israelite, like, a time when an Israelite brought error to the Israelites by representing an outside pagan voice. Didn't Saul, didn't King Saul get in trouble? I was just reading Samuel, and I feel like that's an example of something he did in, like, chapter 16. Yeah. So, like, in, in that example, right, like, okay, Canaanites approximately equal to white people, pagan perspective approximately equal to white perspective, Israelites approximately equal to minoritized people, and then here you have this Israelite saying this pagan thing. There you go. There's an example of that, that perspective being weaponized against these people. You know what I mean? Like, basically any false—that's why I say, like, oh, basically any false prophet— well, what do you guys think about when Aaron, and this might not apply, I'm just brainstorming, when Aaron made the golden calf and said, this is the Lord God that delivered you out of Egypt. It's a great example. Because that's example. an Israelite, yeah. technically, yeah. well, he's using the voice or kind of the situation or voice of his own people to give worship to a false God. It's actually, like, actually, if you think about it, it's, it's the Canaanite problem writ large, right? Like, when people go into, into Israel and they dig, they find that... There was almost never a cease of Canaanite idolatry from Israel. And like Deuteronomy's whole thing is like Deuteronomy 7, like don't even intermarry with these folks because you're going to bring their evil perspective into your camp. So like, yeah, there was all the time Israelites who were representing the evil Gentile perspective. Yeah. Isn't like the early chapters of Isaiah kind of like that? Yeah. To the point of Gentiles um, weaponizing that. I feel like there is some times in Kings when some of the conquests would happen mm. where they would weaponize like the division and things like that. So I, like I said, I think there are for sure examples of this in scripture that you could think of once you properly understand the problem. Like, that's I think why I that's to, the key end. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out. Shout out. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, so I'm shouting out. Um, so I've, I've been, you know, blessing y'all's playlist. Um, and this one's going to be a treat because this guy is, um, not only is he like an independent artist, but he is one, a major, major, major composer for almost, almost any hip hop or pop artist that, you know, um, his name is James Fauntleroy. 
And oh, yeah. he he is a beautiful singer. Let's start with that. Beautiful singer, beautiful producer. I mean, he makes just great music and he has such a such an awesome uh tone and cadence in his voice. So anything that he's just recorded by himself uh in the studio has often been uh phenomenal. Listener discretion is advised. There are some things that have language in it. There are other things that are very wholesome. Like he has one EP that he put out just about Christmas and it's it's delightful. Um, but when I say he's he's written for a lot of people, like he's written for the names of like DJ Khaled, Big Sean, Snoop Dogg, Kendrick Lamar, Drake. I mean, just usually think Justin Timberlake, Jay-Z. You said Drake, Vince. I thought you said he he worked for good musicians. <laughs> Yo, you gotta chill. Oh man, I'm glad man. we're not big enough for Drake to hear that one. But he's he's just he's written and composed for quite a bit of individuals, which kind of shows just his his production uh genius, I would say, because a lot of these have hit number one and stayed on number one billboard for a long time. So if you have time, either Go to website allmusic.com and type in James Fauntleroy. You'll see everything that he's been involved in. Check out any of those songs. Or you can go on like YouTube or SoundCloud and check out some of his independent stuff. James Fauntleroy. Christmas EP. It's about that time almost. Uh, yeah. I don't have I'll be, that Thanksgiving I'll be running out in my house. After Halloween, it's, it's, it's wintertime. Right. I hear you. So this is more movie guy territory. So sorry if I'm pigeonholing myself here. Uh, <laughs> um, one of the podcasts that I have been just binging lately, uh, is called blank check. It is a delightful show about filmographies. Hmm. So premise of the show directors that have early success and then get blank checks to do kind of whatever projects they want. And I'm a big filmography guy. So like I get, I see a movie I like and I go, okay, like what else has this director and writer done? And then I watch those movies. Like I like stars. I definitely like actors um, and I follow their work, but I'm a big fan of the creators. So it's been really fun. They're current um, and also listener discretion advised. But if you are a movie person or interested at all in like background and history and craft, like they definitely talk about the films they're talking about, but they also talk about like what went into making them like a lot of great background info and it's super, super enjoyable. So if the, if cinema is something that you're interested in, the blank check podcast is super great. And the current um, director they're doing now is John Carpenter, who's a favorite of mine and it's the, the spooky season time of the year. So he's done a lot of horror thriller genre stuff and it's just kind of fun to rewatch those movies and, um, uh, just listen to their show and uh, their thing episode. I'm not quite sure if it was as good as ours, but uh, I enjoyed listening to it a whole lot. Nice, man. Didn't get any laughter on my my things. Obviously, they have super high production, but it was super dope to talk to Mike about the thing. Nice. Shout outs. My shout out this week is Cultivate Coffee. So do you like coffee? Who likes coffee on this podcast? Oh, yeah. I like coffee. Well, I, know, I know these listeners like coffee. Y'all yes, like coffee. Yes, sir. And if you want a really, I'm married really to a listener that's very fond of coffee. Smooth cup of coffee. I'm talking. I mean, it's rich. It's caramelly. It's that bah bah. It's like drinking something sugary and wonderful, but it's not because it's just black coffee, and it's cultivate coffee, and it's owned by my good friend Brent Rice. Oh yeah, you can Brent go Rice on his website, and you can order the coffee. 
And you should do so if you like good coffee because it's a good business. He roasts it so it's fresh. I'll tell you this. I have never had coffee this fresh. I ordered some coffee from him. And even, you know, we got a little like vacuum seal canister for our for our beans and stuff. Day one, it was amazing. But like that was like two months ago. Got the beans out, you know, did a little AeroPress on that. So good. Even now, yeah, like go get yours. It's coffee that you'll drink just because you like the taste of it. So, man, that is high praise because my wife will drink coffee out of necessity. Yeah, but she does not, not what I'm talking like about. The taste. So this is not utilitarianism. Taste... Coffee. This yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to get some for her. This is some aesthetically pleasing it's to it's, it's real, real your taste good. buds. Coffee. I've had so, two different blends and they're it. both delicious. You gotta jump on that. I got the uh, Kenyan, the Kenyan blend, and it's nice, very. Very good. So, is he is he working on an Ethiopian blend? I think he's got some. Is he got some on there? I want to say he does. I think he does, but but he recommended to me the Kenyan blend and and uh, Ethiopian's my jammy jam though. I'll tell you, it was very good. Get them all. Try them. Yeah, I'm on the site right now. You're not gonna. You are not gonna be disappointed, listener, with this coffee. It is very good stuff. Boom. Also, I thought of an example. So, yeah, 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 here it is, here it is. Numbers 25. Just then, one of the Israelites came and brought to his brothers. So notice, you have an Israelite person coming and bringing to his brothers a Midianite woman in the plain view of Moses and the whole community of the Israelites while they were weeping at the entrance of the tent of meeting because this represented Israel joining themselves to Baal of Peor. The anger of the Lord flared up against Israel. So when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he got up from the assembly, took a javelin in his hand, went after the Israelite man into his tent, and he thrust it through the Israelite man and into the woman's abdomen. So, like, obviously caught them in the act, speared them both, skewered. Jeez. And then the plague was stopped. Those that died in the plague were 24,000. So it, it basically goes on there like this is some of the issues that they had, and, and God, you know, he was zealous for God. And everybody remembers that part, but what people forget is a few chapters later, okay? Numbers chapter 31, okay? So go go a few chapters more to Numbers 31. Mm-hmm. So it says, they killed the kings of Midian. So this is, so after this whole plague happens with the Midianite women and everything, they go and they fight the Midianites. And they go, they go to war. And it notice, verse 8 of chapter 31, they killed the kings of Midian in addition to those slain. So it names the five kings. And then notice, they also killed who? Balaam, son of Beor, with the sword. If you read in carefully in Numbers, when you get to this point, and you read Balaam's name, you're like, Balaam? I thought he went home. Like, how is he even in this narrative anymore? And how, how come he got killed when they wiped out Midian? Notice verse 15 says, Moses said to them, Have you allowed all the women to live? Look, these people through the counsel of Balaam caused the Israelites to act treacherously against the Lord in the matter of Peor, which resulted in the plague among the community of the Lord. So, in the example, weaponized, weaponized voice, weaponized person is the Israelite man who's taken the Midianite wife, right? He's saying, look, uh, he even does it in front of the whole community. I'm taking Midianite wife, whatever. It's literally being weaponized because Balak commissioned Balaam to curse the Israelites. 
right? And he couldn't do it directly. Remember, he couldn't do it directly because the Lord wouldn't mm-hmm. grant the curse. He, he made right. him bless him instead. Balaam finds a different way. And the way he finds is he gets these Midianite women, but he needs Israelite men who are willing to capitulate. And he weaponizes the Israelite men to the extent that 24,000 Israelites are killed as a result of this Israelite's unfaithfulness, which mm-hmm. was directly weaponized by the Midianites mm-hmm. who wanted the Israelites harmed. There you go. Boom. That's, okay. an, that's an example. Well, hey, there's another topic toss-up for you guys. Uh, thanks for listening, especially for you guys who are still here. We know that some of you guys dip off and don't listen to a word we say after <laughs> once we get to this point in the show. But so long. We, we, thanks we, for all we the extra, fish. Extra appreciate all you fo- all you dolphins Very here much. that are still with us. <laughs> to continue Trevor's joke that if you get that joke, go to go to the substancepod.com, make a comment, say I got that Please. joke and I'm a cool person. Yes. And only say that. <laughs> Yes. And then everybody be like, what? And then they'll listen to the show more intently. Yes. So was just looking at it this week. We are just so pleased and like humbled and honored and excited to see the amount of monthly support we're getting from the listeners. Um, we're still, we would still love to bang the drum for 21 and 21. Um, we would love to get to $21, or higher supporters. And if that is uh, something that you're interested in, you're like, hey, Phil, Trev, Vince, like these guys are an encouragement to me, putting out dope content. They're answering my emails. They're putting out some good artists and writers and movies in front of me that maybe I hadn't heard of, or um, they're just kind of encouraging me. Go to the uh, anchor link in the show notes there. You can sign up uh, for one, five, or ten dollars a month if monthly support is something that you would like to join us in for the content we're making there for you. Or if uh, monthly support not really your style, you can give us individual donations on Cash App at Dollar Sign the Substance Pod. And if you shoot us something on Cash App, maybe like write us a little note, say say which one of these moved you to do in it, what uh what pushed you over the edge. So we always like hearing from you guys on that. And like I said, it's we love doing this. We like doing this quite a bit, but um, mm-hmm. it's always nice to kind of see people going, hey, I appreciate what you do. Here's uh, here's five bucks a month. Keep doing it. Visit us at thesubstancepod.com. Thesubstancepod.com? Yes, we have that site up. It is live. It's ready. It's there for you, and it's brought to you by you so go check that out um in the upper right corner of the home page all of our socials are there so go ahead and follow us on facebook twitter and instagram the handle is also the substance pod um there you can follow us you can see what we're doing on social media you can see our shout outs we interact a lot with our followers on those platforms especially Twitter and Instagram. Uh, So follow us there. You'll also see our giveaways and our guests either that have come or that are um, possibly going to be on the show. Um, So definitely follow us there. And then if you listen to an episode, if you're listening to an episode, there is a comment section right under the episode on the website only. So go to the website and leave us a comment. Let us know what you thought of the episode, thoughts, feedback, all that good stuff. And we just love to interact with you on thesubstancepod.com. Head over to thesubstancepod.com once again for those comments. Uh, we'd love to see that interaction. If you got a long form like 
Our friend Austin, who left us a very thoughtful email, we're very appreciative of it. You want to be like him and leave your own thoughtful email that will turn into a topic toss-up one day, you can do so at thesubstancepod at gmail.com. A few things we don't say enough, and we don't really... A few things we don't say enough. uh, We haven't really put it in our script or in our, our, like, breakdown here. Well, yes, we should say that definitely at the end, Trevor. That's just good broadcasting. But um, if you haven't yet... Uh, and you like the show, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a five-star review and um, share share our episodes with your friends. We got a nice library of stuff, and maybe this episode maybe isn't um, right up your friend's alley. But when you see your friends talking about, oh, they saw something from Karen Swallow Pryor or Jamar Tisby or something for or, hey, like, I wanted to the... check out get out like what's that about yeah, like a a movie that. we've done or so I'm so excited uh, the the Halloween episode's going to be on Halloween by this point it's obviously passed but like we do try to do themed stuff so when we do that we may or may not do a Thanksgiving movie we'll probably do something Christmassy or in the spirit that time like share it up share it with your friends and family you also have the ability to leave us a voice note for a testimonial Via our phone line, and that phone line is 913-703-3883. Well, I'm one of your three hosts. Once again, Trevor Aiken. This has been me and Philip and Vince bringing you the conversation, the podcasts, the good times. (laughs) Join us next week on The Substance. Peace. Give me my money. I just want my money back at this point. Like they tripping. Like you know they got that like that really really fancy maggot cheese. You guys heard oh about that? My All right, we gotta get going. Are here, you being for real? I'm, yeah. I'm gonna put my producer hat on and say let's look get up, the heck to work here. Whatever, but look up maggot cheese. <laughs> yeah, it's gross. It's Disgusting. Gross. Well, anyway, it's expensive. So, do you know what's not expensive something. and fantastic? Tell me that. Sargento. $19 single malt from Trader Joe's. Oh, oh nice. $19.99. Yeah. I was like, I finally tried it, and it's pretty good. Trader Joe's does good work. Single malt, is that whiskey? Mm-hmm. Or scotch? Whiskey. Okay. Scotch. Scotch whiskey. What's the difference? There, it's a, so sc- scotch is a type it's, of whiskey. Yes. It's like a subset. It can only okay. be made in Scotland? No? Yes? I it's think like, there's a process. You can probably do the process anywhere in the world. Hot dog is a subset of sandwich. I get it. All right, all right. Exactly. All right. That's the blue for real. <laughs> no, that is that's just truth real. <laughs>